Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hey, I'm Ryan Mallory, and this is my Swing Trading the Stock Market podcast. I'm here to teach you how to trade in a complex, ever-changing world of finance. Learn what it means to trade profitably and consistently, managing risk, avoiding the pitfalls of trading, and most importantly, to let those winners run wild. You can succeed at the stock market, and I'm ready to show you how. Hey, everybody. This is Ryan Mallory with Swing Trade in the Stock Market. In today's episode, we're going to talk about calculating risk and reward in all of our trade setups. So today's email comes from a person who recently joined the SharePointer trading blog, and he had a question about one of the rules. It was rule number four. And on my Discord, I have like 18 rules that I'm pretty passionate about when it comes to my trading, a lot of do's and don'ts. And number four is I will pass on any trade setup that doesn't offer me a solid reward for the risk that I'm taking, a minimum of two to one. So the question here comes from a guy, and we're not going to use his real name. We're going to call him Mabel. Good Florida redneck name, Mabel. And Mabel asks, how are you calculating a risk-reward ratio? Now, you can call it risk-reward ratio, or you can call it a reward-to-risk ratio. I tend to call it more of a reward-to-risk ratio. And why is that instead of risk-reward? And it's for the simple reason of when I talk about the reward-risk ratio, I say, oh, it's a three-to-one ratio reward risk ratio. But if I said three, one risk reward ratio, I'd be implying that I'm risking three times as much for every dollar of reward I'm hoping to get. So I always say reward risk ratio because I'm more than likely to screw it up in my own mind and start saying risk reward, but saying the bigger number, which would be the potential reward first. So I know that sounds kind of stupid, kind of lame, but that's why I call it a reward risk ratio so that when I'm using that phrase, and when I'm telling you what the actual reward risk ratio is, I'm using the reward number first, and that lines up with the actual phrase itself. <laughs> Hopefully you guys are still listening after I talk about that, but it's just always been some kind of like pet peeve for me because most people say risk reward, I say reward risk, and I see a lot of people who will say risk reward ratio, and they'll say it, it's three to one. And so I'm like, are you risking three times the amount for every $1 of reward? So any case. And maybe I'm just imagining it. Maybe nobody actually does that. And I'm just bloviating here on the podcast for no real reason. But in any case, I call it reward to risk ratio. My minimum is two to one. Optimal is three to one. Now, yeah, if I can get a four to one, a five to one, heck, if I can get a hundred to one return for the amount of risk, that's great. Is it necessarily realistic? Not always. And we'll get in a little bit into that later in this episode. But I set a target price, and I've done a number of podcasts now. I mean, I'm getting really close to number 400 here. I've done a number of podcasts talking about target prices, setting stop losses. But there's always a different way that somebody might look at it that requires another podcast on it. So I don't mind doing it. And plus, if there is some redundancy, it doesn't hurt to hear it multiple times. 
And studies will show the more that you hear something said to you or the more times you're taught something, the more likely you are to retain it. So I don't mind repeating myself at times. So the target price, that's what everybody's usually obsessed with when it comes to trade. What's the target price? How high do you see the stock going? That's also the reward aspect of the trade. And then I also get a lot of questions like, oh, I understand you know, how you set your stop loss or the risk aspect of the trade, but I never understand how do you project where it's going to go when it hasn't gotten there yet. And so that's the target price. That's the reward aspect. And ideally, I want the price to blow past my target. I am not going to sell the stock and get out of it completely just because it hits my target price. I think a lot of people do that. They make it like set in stone. It's like, okay, if it hits my target price, I have got to sell it at that level. But you don't. Ideally, you want to be so wrong about your target price that it blows right past it and keeps on going higher. Now, it doesn't mean that I won't take some profits at my target price, but I'm not going to necessarily just get out of it completely just because my target price has been reached. And so when I'm setting a target price for a stock, I'm setting what I believe is the path of least resistance. How high can it go before it really hits some heavy resistance? If I'm buying into a stock at $100 a share, and I'm setting my stop loss at $97, and I see that there's some heavy, heavy resistance at 101, probably going to pass up on it because then I'm getting into a reward risk ratio of one to three. That's not good because I'm taking on three times the amount of risk for that potential dollar, and it might get a dollar higher and then just completely fall apart and stop me out. That doesn't make much sense, right? So we want something that's at least two to one. So in that case, if I had bought a stock at $100 and I have a stop loss at $97, I want to make sure that it at least has a path of least resistance to 106. Then I'm getting a two to one return. Ideally, it'd be great if it's like three to one and I can say to $109 a share. But one thing that we don't want to do is create these pie in the sky scenarios saying, oh, I'm going to buy in at $100. Eh, I think I think the target price for this is like 170 Sure, you, you'll get into trades in life if you do it long enough where you'll get a stock that blows up 70% to the upside. It'll go way past your estimates. But do we want to be setting that for our swing trades? No. And the reason why I say that is because it becomes a pie in the sky scenario. And honestly, after I get into the trade, I think very little of my target price. I really don't put much thought into what my target price is. I can tell you all the time what my stop losses are from memory, but I usually can't tell you what the target price is from memory. I usually have to go back and refer to my notes. And that's because after I trade and I get into the stock and I've been able to justify the reward risk ratio being at least two to one, preferably three to one, I'm not too worked up about what the target price is because I know that there is a clear path of resistance to a two to one or a three to one reward risk ratio. And I think one of the things that people get themselves into a lot of trouble with is that they tend to white knuckle their trades, meaning they want to hold on for dear life until it gets to that target price. So again, we're talking about, you know, getting in at a hundred dollars a share of stock ABC stop loss at $97 a share. And we have a target price for 109 and it gets up to 108. And it starts to falter a little bit. It's like, no, no, not going to take any profits here. Can't do it. It did not hit 109. Until it hits 109, I will not take any profits. And then you just start seeing it go to 107, 106, 105. For instance, perfect example of this was this past week, an Apple. So with Apple, you had this double bottom off of the 200-day moving average. Now, initially, I got into it for a different reason. I got into it because it was starting to bounce off of the 200-day moving average. But after I got in, it came back down and retested that 200-day moving average. And this is I'm talking about the chart from January 2024 here. And so 
It tested it a second time, bounced, and then broke out, confirmed the double bottom. I did multiple videos to subscribers. Like, yeah, ideally, because it has earnings coming up towards the end of the week, I would like to see it reach its target of about 198.50. That would be the previous highs from December, the month before. And I'll get completely out of it because I know I'm right up against the earnings. I'm not going to hold a swing trade through earnings. I'm going to be out of it. But then it gets to like 196.50. We're about two bucks away. Stock's been up four days in a row. It looks amazing. And it starts to falter. First day, second day. And then on the third day, it starts to break too hard to the downside. So I go ahead and close out the trade. I closed the trade out at 192.30 for a 4.8% return. Now it's trading at 187.39. And I would have given up most of my profits on that trade had I not gotten out a little bit sooner when I started realizing, hey, this stock is starting to fall apart. I'm going to go ahead and get out. It's not like a light volume pullback anymore. We're seeing the selling pick up. But I could have white knuckled and been like, heck no. The stock has not hit 198.50 yet. That's what my target was. That's where it has to get up to. But it didn't. It fell a couple bucks short. And so when it comes to our target prices, we can't say that this stuff is etched in stone. Now, on the opposite side, our stop losses, yeah, those things have to be etched in stone, but not on the target prices. Target prices, we may be completely wrong, and it goes way past it. But we also can be wrong, and it doesn't quite get there. So what are you going to do? You're going to say, hey, didn't hit my target price. I'm going to stay in it and take a loss because... The, the trade's not working out the way I expected when I originally got in. No. When it comes to risk management, yes, you stay disciplined. When it comes to target prices, if it's not going to hit it and it starts to fall back, don't give up your reward aspect of the trade. Take the profits and go on. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. And another thing that you want to remember, going back to the Apple example, you know, I was playing it originally for the bounce off of the 200-day moving average. I got into it, and it started to pull back. It looked like I was going to get stopped out of it even. Test the 200-day moving average, and it bounces higher. And then it confirms the double bottom and shoots higher from, you know, like 187 where it broke out at all the way up to 196.50. And that wasn't even the pattern that I originally got in for. And so when we get into trades, we have to be cognizant of price action changes over time. And with that, we have to be aware of new levels of resistance that can form. There may be some resistance that wasn't there before that is now there once you're in the trade. And you have to account for that. And it could be that it creates a whole new layer of resistance that wasn't even in development before. So price action changes. It changed for me on the Apple trade where I get into it off of a bounce off the 200-day moving average, pulls back, tests it bounces again. I have a double bottom on my hand. Yes, that was a favorable change in the price action that worked out in my favor, but you can also have price action that works against you. I've seen it before where you'll have these trend line bounces and these suck. Not the trend line bounces themselves, but what I'm about to explain to you. You'll get a pullback to this rising trend line. It looks really good, but then it starts to form time on this trend line. And now when you're retesting a rising trend line, that means it's pulling back. Okay. So there's been some loss in price from the previous highs. But then it doesn't immediately bounce. It doesn't give you that V-shaped bounce that we all crave off of the rise in trend line. Instead, it stays there. It, it might move a little bit higher, 
but it doesn't move dramatically higher, and it just kind of goes sideways, hugging that rising trend line. But then all of a sudden, in the process, it's formed a bear flag. So you got to be aware of the fact that, hey, this might not be the most bullish pattern that I originally set out for. And instead, it's forming this bearish pattern. And if it breaks to the downside, may not even want to wait for my stop loss to be triggered. Go ahead and get out because the price action has changed. Now, if something develops favorably, that doesn't mean that you widen your stop loss because then you're being undisciplined. And you're going ahead and like increasing your risk, which is something that you should not do going into a trade. And I talked about before why I'm not overly crazy. I mean, it, sometimes you can find a trade setup that might offer like a five or a six to one return. And that's great if you can find them. They're not as common as you'd like. I mean, if you're looking for a, for instance, like if you're looking at a 10 to one return, then if you're risking 3% on your trade setup, you're looking for a 30% return. 30% return is difficult when it comes to trading stocks. Now, I get that there's options and that you can get a whole, you know, some really crazy returns trading options. But when I'm just talking about trading stocks, the equities, 30% is pretty difficult. There's got to be a pretty significant catalyst. Doesn't mean it can't happen. And when it does happen, that's great. But that shouldn't be really the benchmark that we set out for on every one of our trades. If you get three to one or two to one on every one of your trades and you're, you know, winning not even 50% of the time, you're going to be doing pretty darn good in the stock market. So when I start seeing like five, six, seven to one, 10 to one, 50 to one, either one, their stop loss is too tight. Maybe they have a stop loss at like a half percent. And so, yeah, you can get some crazy reward risk ratios when your stop loss is less than 1%. Or they got a pie in the sky mentality. They're hoping for something that's not all that likely. I had someone in the trading block today ask me about EOG and what I thought of it. It's an oil and gas play and I had a pretty nice bounce of it. And it looked like it could continue in the days ahead. And maybe it eventually does. But from a reward risk standpoint, it wasn't offering the best scenario. You had three significant levels of resistance above the price. And you had one just like a buck ahead of where price was sitting at. So if you got in at 115, there was some resistance at 116. And even if you were only risking like three or four bucks, that was not a favorable reward risk ratio. And even if you got the trade to break through the 116 level, there was a lot of resistance at the 122 level. So there wasn't a really good clear path of least resistance where the stock could move without being affected too much. There was a lot of resistance. So even though the stop loss was good, it didn't equate to a favorable reward risk ratio. If you enjoyed this podcast episode, I would encourage you to leave me a five-star review. Those things really do mean the world to me. They help me out to continue to build this audience and reach more traders like yourself. And if you have questions, don't be a stranger. Send me an email, ryan at shareplanner.com. I do read them all, and I try to make an episode out of nearly every one of them. I would probably say 98 or 99% of them become a episode all into themselves. So send that to me. Send me your stories. Send me your questions. I want to hear about your background, your struggles, fears. Let me hear it, man. And again, leave that five-star review. I appreciate it. Thank you, guys, and God bless. Thanks for listening to my podcast, Swing Trading the Stock Market. I'd like to encourage you to join me in the Share Planner Trading Block, where I navigate the stock market each day with traders from around the world. With your membership, you will get a seven-day trial and access to my trading room, including alerts via text, email, and WhatsApp. So go ahead, sign up by going to shareplanner.com slash trading block. That's www.shareplanner.com slash trading block. And follow me on Share Planner's Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook, where I provide unique market and trading information every day. If you have any questions, please feel free to email me at ryan at shareplanner.com. All the best to you, and I look forward to trading with you soon. Mm -hmm.